You're listening to the Complete Concussion Management Podcast with Dr. Cameron Marshall. Ask Concussion Doc is a show where we answer your questions about concussions, treatment, and rehabilitation to help practitioners better manage these injuries. Enjoy the show. What's going on? Hey, man. How are you? Good, good. Doing well. All right, guys. Let me pin this comment real quick. If you didn't already know, we got Dr. Cameron Marshall here. We're going to be talking. There we go. Pin the comment. We're going to be talking about all things concussion. Yeah. So let's start. Let's start out here. And then if you guys have questions in the meantime, uh, drop down the comments below. We had a good amount of questions prior to this Instagram live, but we'll prioritize any live questions. So let's start out with this. Uh, Cameron, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell people about what it is that you do and how you got to where you are. Uh, okay, so my name is Cameron Marshall. I am also known as at Concussion Doc on Instagram. Uh, I am a sports chiropractor and concussion researcher, and I'm also the founder of Complete Concussion Management, uh, which is a network of clinics throughout North America, now into Australia, as well as the UK that uh, specialize in the treatment and rehab of people uh, or concussions and people with persistent concussion symptoms. And we provide training to healthcare practitioners in order to help them provide better management to patients according to the evidence-based best practice scenarios. So I think that's a pretty short little yeah. bio. <laughs> yeah. How, how did you get into concussion in the first place? Where did you find that niche? Uh, well, I, uh, just making sure I don't have feedback here. There we go. Thumbs up if you guys can hear us, by the way, let's see if the connection's good. We got some good information coming at you, coming at you today. We don't want you to miss it. We'll see if I'm, when I talk now, I turn my volume off. So hopefully they can hear me. Okay, um, uh, sorry. What was the question again? Uh, how did you get into the niche of concussion? Like, where did this even come from, this passion of yours? Yeah, it was um, – so when I was doing my sports med fellowship, so it was an extra two years following my doctor of chiropractic degree, and uh, you have to do research in a field. And um, I was into, like, you know, sports injuries, obviously, but it was, I, was, I was looking at more sport performance. I was looking at um, balance rehabilitation and increasing skating speed in hockey players, you know, Canadian and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, then one of the, you know, world famous hockey players from Canada, Sidney Crosby, ended up getting a concussion and he was sidelined for, you know, the better part of a year. And he actually started getting treatment when I was in my residency from a chiropractor in Georgia. And so um, it was actually given to me as a topic for a rounds presentation. And, um, and I just kind of fell in love with the topic because when I got into the rabbit hole of everything that was concussion, going into the pathophysiology and looking at blood flow mechanisms and all this, all this other stuff, I kind of found, they just opened up this whole world for me. And that's what I decided just to switch my entire research focus into uh, concussion. So I've published a few studies now on concussion and um, basically getting into the research world, you start to realize that you know what is going on from the research world and what's happening clinically is so different and so that was where it was like okay we need to do something about this because all this evidence to show us what we're doing uh you know what effective treatments are for concussions most people don't even know that most people don't even know that there's rehab most (laughs) people don't know that there's treatment for concussion symptoms right and, uh, and, and basically the treatment is physio, it's Cairo, it's, uh, uh, well, you guys call it PT, but we PT. call it physio, but, but um, yeah, 
PT, chiro, exercise therapy, vestibular, visual, uh, education, reassurance, dietary yeah. interventions, all this stuff is all stuff that's right within our scope and right within our purview. And, um, it just wasn't being put into practice. And basically the reason is because most people don't learn about this in school. And so that's why we developed our curriculum to try and educate people, to bring them the evidence, to try and, you know, be at the forefront of the cutting edge so that people could actually get the treatment that they need. Right. Right. No, you're a hundred percent right. What people think is the truth is actually, it, it seems to be, at least for me, what I thought what a concussion was and how to manage it was a bit different than the way that you uh, guest blogged on our website with, with that detailed video that you had. Uh, if you guys haven't seen that already, check out our blog. Uh, Cameron wrote a, a blog post for us last week. Really, really good information. And I learned, I learned a ton from what a concussion is to how to manage it. But I think let's start here. What is, what is a concussion? And what is the, I think this is a good segue into what the biggest myth is about a concussion. Okay. Um, well, a concussion is obviously a brain injury. It's in the category of what's called a traumatic brain injury. And so there's, there's, there's different severities of traumatic brain injury and it ranges mild to moderate and then severe. Uh, and that's all based on things like the length of time you've lost consciousness, uh, your, your Glasgow coma scale at the point of injury within 30 minutes after the injuries occurred, uh, as well as the length of time you have post-traumatic amnesia. Now, concussion is in the category of mild traumatic brain injury, which means that your Glasgow coma scale is between 13 and 15, which a full Glasgow coma scale is 15. So you could have a full Glasgow coma scale. Um, you have a transient onset of symptoms. So you could have headache, dizziness, nauseousness, fogginess, any number of symptoms that occur either at the point of injury or shortly thereafter, uh, up to, you know, 24 to 48 hours later, even in some cases where people start to experience symptoms, a little bit of a delayed onset, but the symptoms are transient. They tend to dissipate and there's no objective findings on imaging. So when you look at something like a moderate or severe brain injury, you'll be able to see findings on MRIs and CT scans potentially that indicate that there's been some actual structural damage. Concussion is a functional injury. So we don't have any of those structural markers of damage. And so most of the time, uh, well, all the time in, in terms of the diagnostic criteria for a concussion, you're going to have normal imaging. Um, uh, things like bleeds and things like that would escalate the diagnosis uh, in, in terms of subdural hematomas and, and, and skull fractures and things like that. But in terms of the concussion injury itself, it doesn't show up on imaging. So it is a functional imaging or sorry, a, a functional injury that occurs um, outside of the presence of any imaging findings. Symptoms are transient in nature and they tend to dissipate on their own given given time. Uh, but in some cases, they obviously don't. And that's where the rehab side of things comes in. Um, but so, I mean, loosely, it's a, it's, it's a mild traumatic brain injury mm -hmm. um, and, it's, and it's a functional injury. And I mean, it's a lot easier when I have my whiteboard and my markers yeah. to be able to, to draw the picture out that I do for patients. And that's actually in that blog too. So if people want to see that, um, that's, that's a picture that kind of explains the whole thing. It's an energy deficit. It's a, it's a, it's a metabolic injury is, is what it's called. Um, and it also affects a whole number of different systems from your autonomic nervous system, your cardiovascular system, blood flow mechanics, your visual system, your vestibular system and all that stuff. So um, it's a, it's, it's in the mild category of brain injury, but it actually affects a lot of different systems. And so the injury itself, a lot of people have said, well, it's, even though it's a mild brain injury, it's actually not a mild injury at all. It's uh, it's quite significant. 
Yeah, can you explain that jello analogy that you used in the video? I think that that hits home with a lot of people and gives people an understanding physiologically of what it is that's really causing the concussion and what it's not in terms of just the impact itself versus the stretching of the neurons. Yeah, the, the, the um, consistency of brain tissue has been kind of equated to, to jello. Um, so if you were to take a, a, a nice big plate of jello and have this mound of jello and you were to shake that plate, you would see it kind of jiggle and deform back and forth each way. But if you were to kind of zoom in on each little strand of jello, you would see that they would stretch, right? Kind of like elastics. They would pull apart and they'd come back together, not to the point of breaking, but they would just get stretched and pulled back. And so if we consider the brain to be the same consistency of jello and the the internal structure strands of that jello are actually the neurons which are the cellular uh, you know cells of our of our brain those cells are getting stretched when that jello jiggles so when that brain gets jiggled back and forth those cells are are getting stretched and so they used to think of concussion as being the coup contra coup injury i know probably a lot of you guys have heard that term before where you know the brain hits the skull creating a, a, the coup, and then it bounces back and hits the back part of the inside of the skull, creating the contra coup. And it was really thought of as, as a bruising of the brain. So if even if you go in Google right now, you'll see concussion bruise, and there'll be all these images. If you type in concussion in Google and look for images, you'll see these like concussion bruises, right? But mm. from what we are learning now about what actually happens or what that injury actually is it's actually considered now to be a deeper injury so not occurring to the outer gray matter of the brain but actually deeper injury happened to the white matter cells and to the axons themselves so when that stretching occurs when the brain's jiggling back and forth after impact that stretching actually pulls apart cells, but at the weakest point. And that weakest point is kind of those voltage gated channels. And so as soon as those cells pull apart, well, you're going to get ions wanting to exchange because of just regular concentration gradients. And so, uh, I mean, the easiest way to think of a concussion is that the impact itself stimulates brain cells and tricks them into thinking that they've just received a signal. And so they all start to kind of fire and go. And so you have these, these excitation phases where it's this electrical kind of storm that, that kind of happens happens within the brain and that's the first part but all of that firing burns that energy and like I was mentioning before you have this really really big drop in energy levels in the brain and anyone who's been around somebody with concussion is going to see that that those levels just start to drop and drop and drop and you just want to go to sleep and you're just really tired after and so that's kind of the explanation for that yeah and then uh, now that you brought that up I know previously people have thought okay, after I got a concussion, I'm tired, I should rest, I shouldn't do anything, I should isolate myself socially, keep myself in this room, uh, avoid interaction, avoid any physical movement. But what we're starting to see in the literature is actually the complete opposite of that. Uh, do you mm-hmm. want to explain a little more about what it is that, that actually should be done post-concussion and what it is to avoid? Yeah, for sure. The the original kind of theory or thought process behind rest makes sense, right? I just explained that we, you know, concussion creates this energy deficit. So the initial thinking of professionals in the field will, well, is, well, if we have this energy deficit, we want to be resting because anything we're doing to burn energy, you know, like going and exercising or, or continuing to play our sport and going, uh, you know, doing cognitive activity or anything like that, that we're actually burning a lot of energy within the brain is only going to set us back. It's going to make us worse. And so for years, 
the theory was don't even expose yourself to light because even the stimulation of light hitting your retina will, will cause activation of your brain cells. And so they would, they would put people in these dark rooms and they'd completely, you know, he called it cocoon therapy, completely isolate them from any social interaction, you know, cell phone screens, going to school, exercise, anything like that. And they basically shut them down. And what we're starting to find out now is that actually makes people worse. Social isolation in any, you know, any context is going to be detrimental for recovery. Inactivity is detrimental for, for, for any type of recovery from injury. You know, we know as physical therapists and rehab professionals that, you know, exercise is beneficial for the majority of conditions out there. It's also beneficial from a mental health standpoint. And so researchers started looking at the concept of rest and realized that it actually was detrimental for people beyond kind of one to two days. We know that acutely, if you get hit and you're on the field, if you continue to play, you will get worse. And I, you know, there's, I mean, I can go into that whole mess, but that's, a, that's due to, I think, body temperature and the increase, increased release of excitatory inflammatory markers that continue to get pushed out if you continue to exercise. Mm. But if you pull yourself out of that game initially, and you maybe take one to two days of kind of taking it easy, and then you start to get back into your activity, that is the best chance you have for recovery. So it's not pulling back completely and taking a week off of school or work. It's maybe taking a day or two and then starting to see what you can do, right? If you're going to sit at home and have a headache, that's a three out of six, um, or you're going to go to work and have a headache. That's a three out of six. The, the evidence shows that you should be trying to, to go to school and see what you can do provided you're not going to provoke your symptoms to a significant degree. So that is kind of, you know, now that we're leaning towards that and actually some of the evidence now coming about exercise showing that exercise is actually beneficial for people in the early stages of concussion recovery, but it has to be done in the appropriate way. So I would throw the caveat in of, of you should be working with a healthcare professional who knows how to get you back into that exercise in the proper progression. There's treadmill tests and all sorts of other uh, things. Actually, we covered in, in, the, in our course about how to do this specifically and properly. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a progression back in exercise. But in doing that way, uh, it actually can speed your recovery. So think yeah. about what we've been doing for the past, you know, 30 years. And now all of a sudden we're completely flipping that right on its head. But unfortunately, research takes, you know, 10 years or so to make it into clinical practice. And so what you what you end up with now is, you know, we're we have this movement going where we have like rehab professionals that are seeing concussion patients. And we're actually on the evidence based trajectory and this cutting edge kind of stuff, getting people exercise and doing this other stuff. Yet people are still, you know, tend to go to their GP or to the emergency department when they have a concussion. And you have these people that are 10 years behind telling people to just do nothing and rest. Right. And you're like, Oh my God, it's just a, it's a constant struggle. So as, you know, as, as much as I can educate you guys out there to, uh, just, just keep exercising, uh, after concussion in, in a, in a graduated way and not just go into a cocoon, uh, yeah. you know, the better, the better off everyone will be. Yeah, no, I mean, that's our intent with our platform as well as to try to inform as, as many people as possible, uh, on what, what it is to and to not do. Even if it's a matter of at least figuring out where to go, that's already a big step in itself. A lot of people mm -hmm. have these injuries, they just know uh, theoretically or anecdotally that they should avoid anything and keep to themselves for a week and then they'll be fine. When in reality, mm -hmm. no, you need graded exposure and you need a skilled healthcare provider to assist you with that. Um, and with having that outside perspective with that professional, you can get back to uh, your sport a lot sooner. And this leads me to this next topic that 
I wanted you to touch on, which entails um, the symptoms and the concussion are not correlated in a one-to-one ratio, meaning once the symptoms have dissipated, that doesn't mean that you're ready to return to sport necessarily because you're still potentially at that energy deficit. And I know in that chart that you described, um, even though they're starting to feel better, just like other injuries too. I mean, I, I don't see, uh, actually, I don't see any concussion and cu- concussions in my practice, but with like post-op ACL reconstruction or um, maybe even a rotator cuff sh- strain, people feel better and therefore they feel like they should get back to these higher level activities. However, in reality, they can do a lot more harm than good at that point. So if you can explain to, to the audience a little more about why that's the case and why you shouldn't necessarily just jump back to sport if you if you feel like you're if you're ready for it, um, to give people a little better bit of a better understanding about that. Yeah, I mean, I think it goes. It's it's like it's all the same concepts that you, that you mentioned with with other injuries, right? We typically have functional benchmarks for people to return back to sport, right? Whether it be ankle sprains, uh, ACLs, um, you know, various shoulder injuries and whatever else, we have kind of functional tests that we put people through before we're before we allow them to go into kind of a dangerous sport right with concussion however even if you read the international consensus guidelines things tend to be these decisions tend to be made on a symptom-based approach right so as soon as your symptoms go away you know you're supposed to do these various activities but the problem is no one's actually doing them right according to the berlin consensus statement it's you know you rest until you're asymptomatic or you have you have mild rest or moderate subs you know below symptom threshold rest, meaning you can do anything that doesn't aggravate your symptoms. Then you're getting into moderate, you know, physical activity. Then you're getting into non-contact practices. And then you're getting into increased intensity practices with still no contact and other types of training drills, such as weightlifting and whatever else. And then you get into full contact practice following your medical clearance state. And then you're in now to full, you know, recovery. The problem is, is that those stages, there's six of them. They're supposed to be separated by 24 hours. And people will just generally look at that as a six day, you know, well, I'd be gone. I'm out for a week, but they don't actually like most physicians aren't putting people on treadmills and actually running them through the functional tests and actually checking out how they do at two practices, non-contact and actually Mm -hmm. seeing, you know, any functional tests. Are we measuring people's balance, reaction time, memory, concentration, vision, uh, you know, neurocognitive function, all these things. Are these actually being done before we're making a decision to return an athlete back to sport in the wide majority of cases? No, that's not happening. Um, it's, it's, I think it's better in, in, in the States because people are doing, they're doing baselines and they're doing post-injury tests. But for the majority, they're only doing computerized neurocognitive testing, which by itself actually has some issues with test retest reliability. And so that's, that's one tool. And I think that's a great start, but most people aren't aware that that tool has reliability that with other measures um, like balance, like postural sway, like reaction time, like ocular motor function, uh, saccadic visual tests and things like that that can offset uh, any test retest reliability. So you really want a comprehensive battery of, of, of protocols to be in place, but you actually want to, you have to do them. You know, they can't, you can't just write them on a piece of paper and expect that they're being done because right now the vast majority of cases it's, you know, doctor says, how do you feel? Well, I feel fine now. I feel better. Okay, well then go, go ahead, go back to your sport. And not realizing the implications of that. Because as you mentioned, there's this energy drop. And the evidence, at least from, from an animal standpoint, shows that if, if those animals get back up to where their full energy levels are and they do suffer another concussion, they just go through that same 
process again. So in other words, it's just another concussion. But if they get, if they hit these animals in the middle of their recovery, when they're still not back up to full energy levels, well, then they actually go, they, they get much, much, much worse. And they end up with injuries that are similar to severe brain injuries and actually 10, 10% of them will actually die as a result of, of that secondary injury. And this is called second impact syndrome. And this has happened in humans in playing high school sports across the U S and, and a few times in Canada as well, where player gets injured with a concussion goes back too soon and has a fatal outcome from another, a subsequent hit. So the whole thing about concussion is ensuring that we're getting them back to full, full, full recovery. But like you said, the symptoms tend to go away way before the physiologic recovery actually occurs. And so what we're trying to do with all the stuff that we're doing is take an evidence-based approach and say, okay, you feel good now? That's great. Let's put you on the treadmill. Let's ramp up your heart rate, see where you're at. Okay, now they have an increase in symptoms with that. Well, obviously they weren't ready. But then we can run them through a proper protocol to get them there. And then, okay, you've passed that. Now you're going back to practice. Now you're doing this. Now at the final step, we're doing another physical exertion testing. And then we're running them through a full battery of physical and cognitive tests to try and make sure that we've gotten them to a point where it's actually safe for them to return to sport. Um, and the problem is it's not being done, you know, as nearly as often as what it should be. And kind of that's another, you know, mandate of what our, our, our process is, is try and make sure that people are safe before we send them back into sports. Yeah. Talk about risk versus reward with that. It seems to be that most injuries are kind of like that, where, for example, you have an ankle sprain. That's the highest predictor of another ankle sprain. You have a hamstring strain, same idea. And you have to be careful with how you rehab that because how you rehab that is preventing future injuries of that same exact mechanism. And the future injury, like, like you said, which is 10% of animals, uh, died after that secondary uh, concussion. So mm -hmm. it, there's a huge risk there and you got to be very careful in how you rehabilitate uh, after. Did you freeze? Whoops. Yeah. I didn't know that was possible. I got a, I got a phone call while on the Instagram live. That's the first <laughs> time that happened. Um, but yeah, you got to be careful with how you rehab it because how you rehab it is prehabbing for a future injury as such. Yeah. Quick question with that. What kind of neurocognitive tests were you referring to? Like what, what tests are you? There's, that? there's, there's a whole bunch of them. There's, um, there's, there's Cogsport. There's, there's impact is the most well-known one. There's, um, uh, geez, what are some of the other ones? Um, mm -hmm. there's, um, oh geez, I'm drawing a blank now, but, yeah. um, Axon Sports, what it has become Cog Sport, and then there's also some other kind of higher grade computer ones uh, that are used by the military. And I'm just drawing a blank on yeah. on some of the names of them, of them right now. But uh, yeah, there's there's a whole variety of, of different neurocognitive tests that are out there. Okay, very cool. We had a question rolling in. Um, actually, this is a previous question that we had from uh, the Instagram story I posted. Uh, and I know you mentioned this in that video too. I want to refer people back to the blog post because the blog post really has so much information and can probably answer almost all your questions on concussions. But the question is, can, can you hear me? It looks like I'm breaking up. No, I can hear. Well, I, I got the headset on. so. <laughs> okay, perfect. Um, the question is struggling with PCS for post-concussion syndromes for six months. Uh, what can I do? First, I want, I want to, I feel like if you can explain why someone may have symptoms six months post concussion, I think you kind of talked about the whole metabolic process, but why would someone even feel symptoms that much afterwards? Shouldn't they feel better at that point? And then the second question is kind of what, what they can do. 
potentially mm-hmm. to, to, and we kind of talked about what you can do with graded exposure, but I think the real cool answer would be why someone feels any type of symptom six months post concussion. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, with, with acute concussion, we know about the metabolic process that happens, that energy drop. Uh, there's also other things that happen uh, from a pathophysiological standpoint, like blood flow impairments. Um, and when you get beyond kind of that three to four week period, which is is the acute concussion, that's about the length of time it takes for that energy level to come back up is that anywhere between two to, you know, kind of four to six weeks area in there and everyone's different. And that's what makes it a little bit more challenging. But um, when you get beyond that, and, and, and technically, when you get beyond kind of that four week period is when you're into PCS or post concussion syndrome. Well, there's a couple definitions of it, but the one we like to use is about, is about four weeks. If you're still symptomatic, you're, you're now considered PCS or post concussion syndrome. Um, and there's, there's a variety of theories behind why this occurs, but we don't actually know for certain why it does occur. But the five kind of main theories are number one, blood flow. Um, so, and that, that has to do with a few different mechanisms. There's four different mechanisms that can control cerebral blood flow. And really what your body and brain want to do is you, your brain wants to keep the blood flow consistent throughout it, throughout itself. So, uh, in, in the event your blood pressure goes up within your body, well, your brain wants to make sure that it doesn't change within the brain, right? It wants to keep things consistent. Um, and so it reacts to things like changes in the partial pressures of CO2 and your breathing rates and all these things. Those mechanisms are known to be impaired following concussion. And so it changes the amount of blood flow you're getting to your brain. And so one of those things that could be causing persistent symptoms is a, is a blood flow issue and where, you know, you feel kind of fine at rest, but as soon as you get your heart rate up, you start to become symptomatic. Or as soon as you start doing cognitive activity, you, st- you start to become symptomatic. So that one there is something that we would test for through through a treadmill test. And then the treatment for it is actually exercise. So this that's treatable, but you have to do it in a sub-symptom threshold way. And the first thing you have to do is find out what what your symptom threshold is mm-hmm. and that's where a clinician will come in and actually run you on the treadmill to try and see what your threshold target is the next on the list of potential um, post-concussion syndrome creators or, or causes is inflammation so neuroinflammation after having an injury you're going to get inflammation um, within the brain and this inflammation can kind of linger and stick around a lot of the interventions for this would either be like medication based or also dietary interventions so eating a low inflammatory diet, avoiding foods that are, that are high kind of pro-inflammatory foods. Um, you know, your typical gluten, dairy, uh, sugar, refined sugar is, is awful. Alcohol is, is very pro-inflammatory. Um, and these foods are known to actually increase gut permeability, which then can increase inflammation, which then goes to your brain. And um, they found cognitive deficits following, you know, all sorts of different surgical procedures just because there's systemic inflammation. Systemic inflammation can make you feel foggy, confused, constantly concentration difficulties, give you headaches and all that stuff. So a lot of this can be squashed by eating a really, really healthy, clean, clean, clean diet. And we put everybody on a, on a low inflammatory diet uh, following their injury. Uh, the third thing could be your visual system. Real quick with, with that, yeah, what, yeah. What, uh, what anti-inflammatory foods do you typically recommend? We just, it's not necessarily we recommend anti-inflammatory foods. We just avoid mm-hmm. the inflammatory foods. So, okay. So, Yes. Yeah, so typically the way that we go, and there's some supplements and stuff that can, that can help out um, that, that have uh, anti-inflammatory properties, things like fish oils, uh, curcumin is, is, is a new big one. Um, uh, magnesium can help with kind of that pathophysiological process in the excitatory phase. So that one has to be like a quick early one. Um, you know, there's, there's all sorts of these things. Probiotics can help with gut healing and um, you know, that type of stuff. 
And so most of it's just avoiding the pro-inflammatory foods and just trying to, to eat, you know, the, the clean kind of basically fruits and vegetables and, and high quality, you know, meats, fish, uh, is, is the way to go. Um, mm-hmm. no, I, I don't want to say keto, but like, you know, more high quality fats in your diet than, you know, crappy carbs, but, uh, not yeah. straight keto. I wouldn't go that far. Uh, okay. Next on the list is, uh, your visual system and your vestibular system. And I put these two together because you can't really tell the difference a lot of times between them. What seems like a balance issue might be a vision issue. And what seems like a vision issue might be a balance or vestibular issue. The next one on the list, I kind of lump in with those ones as well is the neck. So, with a concussion, there's always going to be a whiplash attached to it, right? Your head and neck are connected. So any type of whipping motion of your head back and forth when you get hit is going to also create some, some muscular or joint damage in the neck. Um, you may not even have neck pain. I get a lot of patients coming in. They don't have any neck pain whatsoever, yet I can reproduce their headaches just by you know, sticking my finger in their suboccipital muscles. And it'll just be like, oh my God, right here. So anyone who's interested in this, just look at the referral patterns. Um, from neck muscles into the head and you'll start to realize that if your headache is always you know front right side I'm going SCM I'm going going some of the joints like and I where to look now and I just push in there and all of a sudden if I can recreate that headache I've nailed it I know that that's where it's coming from and now if I can if if I can loosen that off and give them some rehab exercises I'm going to be able to get rid of that headache completely and a lot of times once you get rid of the headache you get rid of the concentration problems because it's really hard to focus when you have a headache. Uh, you know, like all these things start to go away. My sleep gets better and, you know, yada, yada, yada. But also the neck can make you feel dizzy and it can also affect your eyes. So even as your eyes move, people will have this skipping motion, this saccadic motion of their eyes during smooth pursuits. And that could be a vision issue. That could be a vestibular issue, but that can also be a neck issue. Uh, and you'll find that if, you, if you're able to really, you know, get in there and work this stuff out, you'll, you can get rid of all of those visual problems. And that's just a, just a feedback mechanism through the cerebellum that you're able to actually affect change, which is crazy because you can actually affect you know, visual reflexes just by treating the neck, which is, which is crazy. Number five on that list is, is the psychological end of things. And so this is the one that everyone, you know, everyone likes to hate on because, you know, especially if you're going through it, you're like, no, 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 it's not that it's not that. But Pre-existing anxiety and depression are one of the leading causes of persistent concussion symptoms. So anyone that's, that's, a, that's an anxious person that's had anxiety in the past and they get a concussion injury, particularly with all the media coverage and hype on it, we know that that is likely to lead them to having more persistent symptoms. So it's... Um, like being able to educate the patient, uh, you know, more thoroughly, being able to draw that picture and explain to them that, you know, concussion is not necessarily brain damage. Concussion is a functional injury, but that's gone now. Right now we're looking at kind of some of the other stuff that could be going on. And all we have to do is run you through this stuff and figure out what it is. And once we find out what it is, it's, it's, it's hundred percent treatable, right? Mm-hmm. Concussion is a treatable thing. You just need somebody who has the knowledge to put it all together to explain to you how we're going to do it and use a systematic approach to go, okay, treadmill test, they passed. Okay. It's not blood flow moving on. Okay. Mm-hmm. Put them on this diet. How do you feel on that? Okay, great. Are you following it? hundred percent. You have to be hundred percent on this diet. If you're going to cheat and say, well, I did a little bit of it. You're not going to get the benefit. You have to be 100% committed to your recovery. Um, Number three, visual vestibular, you start getting, okay, let's give you some of this. Okay, we noticed a couple issues here. Here's some rehab. Start working on that. And you're just peeling back the layers. And, you know, eventually you're you're now, okay, now the symptoms are all gone, right? You've you kind of pinpointed. But um, just getting back into that, that psych piece is – 
it's such a huge component of concussion recovery and no one wants to admit it. So I'm constantly referring people to therapy, talk mm -hmm. therapy, um, you know, having people go see psychiatry or, or even their family doctor just to, to look at um, different options for meds, um, you know, anti-anxiety medication, antidepressant medication, that type of stuff. And that's often the, the trigger that, that gets people better, right? But nobody wants to go down that road, um, you know, based on the stigma surrounding mental health, which is, which is crazy. It's just, let's just get better. Um, and that's really my whole focus. And so that's, that's a big one. Um, and I think that enough people aren't, you know, too many people aren't giving that one enough credit. Um, right. So it's tough. I mean, it's the same idea with uh, when I try to educate my patients or clients on chronic pain or the idea of central sensitivity. And I don't always hit them with it at once. It may be a matter of when it's appropriate to find the right time to educate them on, on that piece. Uh, because yeah, the, they're here for the concussion or they're here for the back pain. However, eventually I'm going to have to, uh, healthcare is a team and I need to get some other members of this team in to help me from their discipline. And there's a lot of secondary issues that happen with with any injury. So you're telling us how like there's a concussion, there's, there's this, this injury that created the concussion. However, there's secondary issues that can happen because the concussion and now the body may try to protect itself. Muscles may try to become a little more spastic or hypertonic to try to protect the body. And now this becomes a vicious cycle and you don't do anything. So these become more tight. And now there's gotta be a point where you gotta break this cycle up. And that's mm -hmm. where a provider can help with this. So let's mm -hmm. tell people where, uh, I know there's, let's tell people where they can go to find an appropriate healthcare provider um, that, that's skilled to treat any type of concussion. Yeah, um, well, I mean, I'm obviously biased, but uh, <laughs> our complete concussion management, okay. uh, if, if, if you're, um, Anywhere, at least in North America, Australia, um, we don't have as many right now in, in the rest of the world. Um, and obviously to the US, we just, we just started getting into. But if you, if, if you go to completeconcussions.com slash find dash a dash clinic, um, you'll be able to see uh, a, a whole map of, of clinics and it's geolocated to your area. So if you click on that and you might be able to find a clinic in your area. Um, if not, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough. There's a lot of practitioners out there that will, that will be, let's say like vestibular trained and will say, you know, I, I treat concussions, but they're treating just the vestibular end of things. And so I think there's a lot more to concussion than just vestibular or just visual or just cognitive. Somebody mentioned here in, in the questions about cognitive rehab. Um, there's, there's a lot more to it. And I refer for cognitive rehab all the time. So I just want to, I want to point that out there. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, so that's, it's, it's, I would start with completeconcussions.com. Um, if you can't find anything in your area, then, um, I mean, try going through, you know, family doctors and sports med and looking for PTs in your area that have training in it. Um, there's, you know, you're kind of piecing it all together. And that's the, that was the whole genesis of our, of our program is to try and give people kind of a one-stop shop and give clinicians a broad overview of everything concussion related so that they can, um, yeah. you know, Sorry, you were breaking up for that last that last part there. Can you can you repeat that last? Hmm. It looks like my connection is bad. I'm not sure if it's mine or not. Can you hear me okay, Cameron? I can I can hear you through the computer. I don't know what's happening on the live though. All right, there we go. 
All right, we're back. Um, but yeah, so in, ter- in terms of that, that uh, complete concussion, let's say you're a healthcare provider and you're interested in becoming uh, or learning a little bit more about concussion rehab and eventually becoming a provider. Uh, we've actually teamed up with Complete Concussion where uh, you can go on our product store and find out. Uh, uh, there's actually a discount code that we've applied for the next two to three weeks. What, what, uh, June 2nd, right, is, is when you have that that code until so if you're interested in learning more about uh, becoming uh, more of a concussion rehab professional uh, why don't you tell tell the audience who would be appropriate for this and what this entails yeah this this course is mostly for rehab for professionals we've had um, a number of different disciplines take it from you know nurses to to doctors to sports medicine physicians um Kairos, um, PTs, OTs. Um, a lot of it is centered around, it's just an evidence-based course. So it walks you first through uh, international consensus statements and different consensus guidelines. Uh, there's a section on neurology and just kind of an update on that. And then into pathophysiology, going over all the blood flow mechanisms and that type of thing, uh, getting into biomechanics uh, implications for the C-spine, uh, into our battery for baseline tests and et cetera, et cetera, into acute concussion evaluation and assessment, uh, red flags, when to refer, um, then moving on into clinical management for concussion, return to learn, return to work, return to play, and then into post-concussion syndrome and what the evidence shows about that pathophysiology and what are the different mechanisms, and then getting into path or sorry uh, post-concussion syndrome treatment, and that centers a lot around rehab. That module alone is I think about ten hours long, uh-huh. so it's a it's a big module that covers all that stuff. And then we actually get into chronic traumatic encephalopathy uh, mm-hmm. and other neurodegenerative conditions with concussion, and then into kind of how to implement you know this program into your practice and help it grow. Uh, as as a component of, of your practice and so you know as you mentioned we've put up a discount for the prehab guys um, you know just just for that blog and everything else and to kind of promote it um, we've put up a discount on there so you actually save $200 off our course if you go through that link um, mm-hmm. and you don't you don't have to start the course right away but once you do start it, it uh, you get 60 days to complete it because we want to make sure people are moving through it we don't want somebody to do module one and then come back to it in a year and completely forget everything they've done so we have put a timeline on it to try and make sure that people are actually just getting it done so but you know um even though the link expires on june 1st you don't have to start the course on june 1st you can start it you know whenever the hell you want to but uh <laughs> once, once you do start it then then you got to be uh you got to be moving um through it you know at a decent at a decent clip it's about 40 hours long so it's a it's an extensive extensive training course but like yeah. i said we're trying to make people like understand everything that we currently know about concussion because we need clinicians to be experts in the area to really because like a lot of it is it's just education it's reassurance it's making sure that people are uh they understand what the implications are and what can be done to help it so um that's 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 it yeah that's the common theme with with rehab itself more than just concussion but uh for the course uh if you're not sure check out our blog the blog has a ton of information and then there's also a learn more link that you can check out to get a better idea of what it is that the course has to offer uh like cameron said it's on our shop page right now um, there's also links within our article that Cameron wrote for us last week. So check that out. And if people want to follow you, where can they see more about the content you put out? 
you can follow at Complete Concussions on Instagram, um, at CCM Concussions on Twitter. Uh, my personal handle is at Concussion underscore Doc on both Twitter and uh, Instagram. Um, I tend to play more on Instagram, um, mm-hmm. mostly in the stories lately. I haven't put out any posts recently, <laughs> but uh, I have a couple I'm working on. So uh, there's, a yeah, really, there's a really cool paper I read today that I'm going to do a post on probably nice. tomorrow. Day, so uh, yeah. awesome. So either at, at complete concussions at CCM concussions or at concussion underscore doc. Perfect. And there's two questions that we like to ask all of our guests um, being uh, one of the prehab guys and trying to preach preventative medicine. What is, what is it that prehab or prehabilitation means to you? You can take that however you want. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to actually put it in the context of um, what we were talking about earlier, where um, it's it's injury, like concussion injury puts you at risk for having more injuries in the future. And it's not just concussion. And some of the studies now are finding that you're at increased risk for lower limb and upper limb injuries as well. And I think a large portion of that is given the vestibular, visual, ocular motor challenges that happen with concussion. And, it's, and you know, there's, there's potentially subtle things things that people aren't picking up and so returning back to sport and you know prehabbing other mechanisms that may not have been involved in the injury to begin with so um, you know looking at balance looking at lower limb function looking at you know all these other objective signs before returning a concussed athlete back to sport I think is a is a is a, is a huge and kind of up-and-coming component of, of concussion recovery and so I think that's um, from a from a concussion standpoint that's that's kind of what prehab means to me. Awesome. And then what is one piece of advice you would recommend for our audience? Um, well, I mean, for the, for the healthcare practitioners, I'd probably say like, if you're, if you're in, um, if you're interested in concussion, I would definitely try to be always kind of learning more about it and and try to keep up to date with the evidence. Uh, there's probably about a hundred or so new studies that come out just on concussion alone. It's just this explosion of research. And, um, that's actually one of the things we do for our clinics is we have a research team that breaks all those studies down and synthesizes. And we actually put out a summary of all the new evidence every single month so that our clinicians can kind of keep up to date with it. But for the average clinician practicing, if you're going to be treating concussion patients, um, you're going to want to keep keep up to date with that stuff. And that can be a lot of, a, a ton of work, but I would definitely encourage you to do that because it's a disservice to your patients. If you're not able to give them kind of the best treatment possible uh, for concussion injuries. Um, and then in terms of the other people that may be out there that have concussions that are interested from a personal perspective, um, I would say just don't, don't give up, don't get negative. Don't, um, you know, I know it's a long road sometimes and it's filled with ups, ups and downs. And um, a lot of times patients will, go through these, these periods where they're just, they're really kind of down and hard on themselves and believing that there really isn't any, any hope for them, but that's actually not the case. Keep looking, um, keep exploring, you know, keep on it and don't, don't quit because, um, you know, it could be right around the corner. So I think those are the, those are the two messages that I would have for, uh, any. I love it. Stay positive. All right. Thanks Cameron for hopping on. We're going to wrap this up. Um, any other questions? We kind of touched on most of the questions that popped in here, in addition to the questions that we previously got through direct messages and from the story. Any other questions, let us know, and maybe we'll have a round two discussion here. But thanks again for hopping on, Cameron. No problem. Cheers. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to the Complete Concussion Management Podcast. If you like the show, please subscribe and let us know by leaving a review. 
Have questions about concussion management for future episodes? Submit them to our website, Facebook, or even Instagram. See you next time.